Hi, I'm Xavier McFarlane, and welcome to the Catholic City Podcast from the Mary Foundation. In today's episode, Vinnie Flynn shares some profound lessons from the pain and challenges of modern life, whether from difficult relationships, sin, illness, setbacks, or even the toll of everyday life. He focuses on the amazing power that the sacraments of reconciliation and the Eucharist have to heal our deepest wounds. You'll learn exactly how these sacraments are critical aids in the journey to healing and growth in holiness. But first, if you ever considered becoming a Catholic or are a Catholic seeking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please visit us at catholiccity.com to order our Catholic scapulars, books, booklets, relic prayer medals, and best-selling novels by Bud McFarlane. Sign up for Bud's twice-a-month Catholic City email message, where he's been sharing profound insights, sage advice, and crazy stories for over 25 years. We are also the world's largest distributor of the Purple Scapular, given by Mary to the approved French mystic Marie-Julie Jehenny in the late 1800s. You can learn more at our website, catholiccity.com, which is the online home of the Mary Foundation. Since the dawn of the internet, we've been a world leader in delivering proven, free, or low-cost tools for evangelization right to your door. And now, let's begin. I came here with a purpose. I thought about it, I prayed about it. My guess is, at least some of you came here with some kind of purpose. You have some reason why you're here, and there's probably as many different reasons as there are men here. Um, I want to let go why I came, because God has a way of dealing with everything, giving permission. And I want to invite you to let go of any script that you have for what you want to have happen here today and give that all to God. And it's very simple to do with this prayer. The third part of the prayer is, come as you wish. So I'm going to say that prayer a few times and ask you just to repeat each part after me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now. Come as you wish. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now. Come as you wish. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now. Come as you wish. Amen. Thank you. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relax because even if I mess up, God, God is in charge at this point. So, uh, He can, even if I say something badly, you can hear it well. How many of you here would say that you are practicing Catholics or practicing Christians? I want to invite you to stop practicing and get in the game. I love that phrase, practicing Christian, because I think that a lot of the times, that's what we're doing. We're kind of sitting on the bench, and we're practicing something that we could be doing fully. Get off the bench, get fully into the game. I need to tell myself that every day, that I need to look at the things I'm doing in my life, look at my attitudes, and see if I need some kind of adjustment. If you are going to church every Sunday, occasionally at least, going to confession, receiving the sacraments, that isn't cutting it. I'm not sure it would have been cutting it in any age, but in our society, that won't do what God wants to do for you. It just won't happen. I believe if you're going to Mass every day and going to confession every month, you still may have trouble letting God do what he created you to do. Because every day, we are in touch with the unholy. Whatever we're doing, you and I, every day, come in contact with what is not holy, what is not of God, what is not good. And I spend most of my life wanting to be a good person and thinking I was. It never occurred to me that that's not what God wanted of me. And no one, up to a, up to I was an adult, suggested, or at least I didn't catch it, and there was more than that. 
God does not want you to be a good man. God wants you to be a saint. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, but I want to ask it so you take it in and think about it. Have you ever decided fully a definite decision in your mind that you have given full assent to, I am going to be a saint? If you have not made that commitment, made that decision, that resolution as a, as number one on your agenda for life, I invite you to make it. God calls us to be saints. He's not going to be happy with good men. What's needed is saints. Pope John Paul II said, what is needed in our world is to instill in people a genuine longing for holiness. A genuine longing for holiness. My greatest longing should be personal holiness. That's more important than anything else. And if that seems selfish, think about it. We affect everybody in our lives. If I am not committed to being holy, that's going to affect my relationships with my spouse, with my children, with the people I work with, whatever one I come in contact with. We are called to be holy. Now, I got some bad news. Nothing unholy can enter the presence of God. Period. Nothing unholy can enter the presence of God. This is not an option. I need to be holy. I'll be doing some time in purgatory. <laughs> or, or maybe worse. I need to be holy. Why? Because God's going to smack me because he's mad at me? No. Because I can't enter the presence of holiness itself if I'm not sharing in that holiness. It can't happen. God is pure holiness. And you and I were not created to be an audience for Jesus Christ. Yay. Jesus did great things. You are awesome, Jesus. Yes, that's true. We're not here to watch him and applaud. We're here to become like him. We need to become holy as he is holy. Scripture says, be holy, for I, your God, am holy. Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be merciful, as I am merciful. That's a pretty tough threefold command. Be holy, be perfect, be merciful, as God is? In the way he is? Oh, it kind of reminds you of something else Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. Not just love one another. That's why he called it a new commandment. There was nothing new. The, the greatest commandment of Scripture prior to the time of Jesus was love the Lord your God with your whole mind, your whole heart, your whole strength. Right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Why is he saying it's a new commandment? I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Well, that's not new. You've got to catch the next phrase. As I have loved you. Still seems like bad news. Nothing unholy can enter the kingdom of God. How can I be holy? The good news is, God wants you to be holy, and God can make you holy. He doesn't need your strength. He doesn't need you to, to, to do particular kinds of behavior. He needs you to say yes. There's a, a wonderful lady, Babsy Bleasdale, some of you may know of her, great, great speaker. I remember her saying once, it just, it just impaled my heart. Your weakness is no deterrent to his grace. Your weakness is no deterrent to his grace. All he needs is your yes. All he needs is for you and I to say yes, as our lady said yes. Let it be done to me according to your will. Lord, you want me to be holy? Let it be done to me according to your will. I say yes to that. Do it. I give you permission, God. 
makes me whole. He's the only one that can do it. I cannot do it by deciding I'm going to do good things. It's not a question of focusing on behavior. If I keep focusing on behavior, I'll get, I'll get a little progress. I'll make a little progress, a little headway. I need to focus on relationship with God. I need to really get to know God as Father in a personal way. It's another one of the Pope's favorite things. We need to come to a personal, and then he uses the word regenerating, experience of the Father's love. Personal. You and I each are called to experience God as Father in a perfect way as only God can be Father. A lot of us are fathers. I don't know about you, but I've failed miserably lots of times. Probably every day. Some way or another. I used to complain it's just that there's no manual. You know, but it's not possible for us to be perfect fathers. God is a perfect father, as we can only imagine what a father ought to be like. And God, Pope John Paul says, is faithful to his fatherhood to the utmost consequences. When, when the Pope talks about the parable of the prodigal son, he talks about the son returning, thinking he's just, I'm going to be a, a hired servant. I, I no longer deserve to be called your son. I'm just going to be a hired servant. He says, how was the father in this? Where was the father in all this? He says, after all, it was his son who was involved. It was his son. And that kind of relationship can never be altered or destroyed by any sort of behavior. That's the good news. There's no behavior that you or I have ever done, will ever do, could ever do, that can make God not be faithful to his fatherhood, that can make God stop loving you. That's the, the, the wonderful good news that St. Paul talks about. That The amazing thing about God is he loved us while we were sinning. He didn't wait for our behavior to get straight. He loved us while we were still sinners and sent his only son to die for us so that we can be free of that sin. Now, I'm supposed to be talking about reconciliation. I am. There is no way that you and I can become holy as God intended us to be holy without the sacrament of reconciliation and the sacrament of Eucharist. It won't happen. It just won't happen. Last year in March, the Holy Father, in one of his talks about reconciliation, he says the sacrament of reconciliation is meant not only to absolve sins, but above all, to lead the faithful to a profound encounter with Christ. I don't know about you, but no one ever told me that. I tell you how I would go to confession. Oops, I messed up again. I want to go to communion. So I have to go to confession. Anybody else ever have that sentiment? Have you ever dealt with that sentiment? I want to go to communion. That's what I want to do. I can't. I know I can't because I messed up again. There's some serious sin here. So I have to go to confession. Now, don't misunderstand. It's not a bad thing to realize that you shouldn't receive the fullness of God, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, without going to confession if you need to. That's a good thing. But if your only way of viewing confession is as a means to an end, an unpleasant thing you have to go through in order to get what you want, I want communion, so I'll have to make myself go to confession and endure it force myself. That's a wrong attitude about confession. The Pope points out that these two sacraments were instituted by the same Christ in the same room, in the upper room. 
And that that's because there's a there's a, a bond between these two sacraments. They are twin sacraments. And we will not have life in us without them. The life of God cannot come in fully the way we need him to come in fully. The Pope goes on. Confession produces a spiritual resurrection, a restitution of the dignity and goods of the life of the children of God. It restores our dignity as sons of God, the most precious good, he speaks of, the most precious of which is friendship with God. Put that into a simple thought. I go to confession to improve my friendship with God. It's not just about getting sins forgiven. He goes on. Therefore, it would be illusory. It would be an illusion, not real. It would be illusory to seek holiness without going frequently and fervently to this sacrament of conversion and sanctification. He doesn't even say forgiveness there. Conversion and sanctification. This work of sanctification, what does sanctification mean? The process of making you holy. This work of sanctification is realized by confession. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the diary of St. Faustina. St. Faustina is a Polish nun, died in the 30s, 38-38. She was canonized by Pope John Paul II as the first saint of the jubilee year that ushered in this millennium. And when he canonized her, he said, she is a sign for our times. She says we go to confession for two things. Forgive us, another one of them, right? No. We go to be healed and to be educated. Now, back up a minute, rewind. Yes, forgiveness is part of that. <laughs> Don't walk away thinking I said it's not about forgiveness. Forgiveness is part of the healing, but it's only part of it. If you go to confession the way I went most of my life, pulling out the long, multifolded list, the grocery list of sins, behaviors, bad behaviors, I did this this many times, I did this this many times, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Are those sins of behavior going to be forgiven? If you're sincere, through the action of the priest, who's acting in the person of Christ, yes, they're going to be forgiven. What happens the next time you go to confession? What happens the next time you go to confession? Same list. Anybody else have the same list? Huh? I'm seeing some heads nodding. I always did. You go to the same list. Rattle off these behaviors again. Get them forgiven. You walk out going, ah, oh, okay. And then right back to those same behaviors. And sometimes there's certain areas, patterns of behavior. Why? Because you're only going in to get them forgiven. Yes, okay. God's there. Okay, if that's what you want. Okay. I forgive them. But I want to heal you. He said to St. Faustina, I don't want to punish aching mankind. He doesn't say sinful mankind. I don't want to punish aching mankind. I want to heal it. Jesus, in the confessional, in the person of the priest, wants to heal your woundedness. All of it. Because that's where your sin's coming from. That's where those behaviors are coming from. If I just confess the behaviors, they're forgiven, but I'm still chained. I'm still bound up. I can't help myself. I'm still caught in my weakness. Because I haven't let enough of God's life in. A sacrament. Back to old Baltimore Catechism. Sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. I memorized that when I was a kid. I've known that all my life. You know what I never knew most of my life? Never knew what grace was. I thought it meant, oh, God's helping me. He's helping me. I don't need this. I order this. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, grace is a participation in the life of God. 
It's a participation in the life of God. It introduces us into the intimacy of the Holy Trinity. Wow. Wow. When God gives grace, what he's giving is himself. He's pouring his life into us. And the Catechism says he's doing that for two reasons. To heal and sanctify. The sacraments are to heal and to sanctify, to make holy. That's why God gave them to us. There are ways that he can help us to reach what he's destined us for, which is to be like him so that we can be with him intimately in the Trinity. So he's given us this gift of grace. Now, if you have any doubts about what I'm saying, you can find it in this wonderful book, Catechism of the Catholic Church. Because if you look for the Sacrament of Reconciliation, you will not find it under the heading of forgiveness. You will find it under the heading number 1420 in the Catechism. The Sacraments of Healing. Lord Jesus Christ, physician of our souls and bodies. Let me tell you that one. Jesus Christ is the physician, doctor, of your soul and your body. He's the doctor who forgave the sins of the paralytic and restored him to bodily health, has willed that his church continue his work of healing and salvation. This is the purpose of the two sacraments of healing, sacrament of penance, confession, and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Throughout that section of the Catechism, I won't quote all the way, constantly referring to the Holy Spirit as the physician who probes the wound so he can heal it. When it talks about revealing your sins in the confessional, it mentions that you, you shouldn't be ashamed to do this and to reveal all to the priest because if the patient is too ashamed to show his wound to the doctor, the doctor cannot heal what he does not know. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. The doctor can't heal what he doesn't know. So if I'm carrying a wound around, my sinfulness, my pain, my misery, and I'm too ashamed to show it to the doctor in the confessional, you can't heal it. We limit God. So I go into the confessional, and I go out again, and yeah, I've gotten some behaviors, some sins, some sinful actions forgiven, but I'm not necessarily any closer to being a holy person than I was when I went in. Catechism also has this unbelievable, powerful statement about confession and the purpose of confession. And it gets to the section on repentance. Repentance. It says, interior repentance is a radical reorientation of our whole life. Now, just think about when you go to confession. What's your intent? Are you going in because you want a radical reorientation of your whole life? That's what we're supposed to be going in. Lord, I want to give you permission to radically redirect, reorient my whole life. A return, a conversion to God with all our heart, an end of sin, a turning away from evil, at the same time, it entails the desire and resolution to change one's life with hope in God's mercy and trust in the help of his grace. Radical reorientation. A desire to change your life. If you can start going to confession like that, like this, it will change your life. It has changed my life. It continues to change my life. I love the comparison of the prodigal, the prodigal son story. This kid thinks he's lost his father's love because he was trying to earn it to begin with. Figured he couldn't do that, so he left. The older son stayed there, still trying to earn it. He thought he could earn his father's love too. 
You don't have to earn God's love. You have it. It's a free gift. And it's forever. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Even the hairs of your head have been numbered. Even if a mother could forget her child, I will never forget you. This is what our God tells us. And we think that we do something wrong, God stops loving us. That doesn't happen. You don't have that power. We can't change God's loving of us. All we can do is finally get the reality slap and say, oh yeah, okay, I'll take it. I'll take more and more and more of your love. You go to confession every time, go seeking more. If I go to confession, the way the kid runs back to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. She does one of her hired hands. That's what he was expecting from the father. He didn't know the father yet. He knew enough to know, well, he'll at least treat me like one of his hired hands. What does the father do? Runs. He sees him way off down the road, which means he was waiting and watching for him. Rushes to him. Doesn't even pay attention to the rehearsed script about how unworthy he is. Embraces him. Calls for the ring to be put on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. Bring the robe. Because my son was dead and now he's alive. Holy Father calls it resurrection in the confessional. He was lost and now he's found. That's what happens to you and me in the confession every single time. God is the Father waiting to embrace us. Does that mean I don't need to tell him my sins? No. I need to let everything out. But I need to have a different kind of expectation. I'm not going there like some slave thinking I'm going to be whipped and then at least I'll get a meal and you know I'll be treated nicely as a, as a servant. What he realized is you can't lose your sonship. The Father is faithful to his fatherhood even when you're not faithful to your sonship. Scott Hahn, great modern theologian, says all sin is a refusal of divine sonship. That's what we're doing. When you and I sin, what we're doing is we're refusing to be sons of this God. When we go to confession, when we return, we're saying, yes, Lord, help me, heal me, so I can be your son worthily. So I can really learn what it means to be your son. To let you father me the way you want to. That's what we're doing in the confessional. And it's a process. It's just not going to happen overnight. Even if you decide to say, oh, I'm going to try it. It's a process. Because healing is a process. We, we, we're healed in layers. Bit at a time. Which brings up the other strong recommendation that I want to give you. you know, I've been giving this talk for years. And I've uh, been hypocritical for years. Because I'd urge people to go regularly. And then I would arrange with my spiritual director to meet him once every month or two. <laughs> it was actually one of my, one of my sons... My son Kevin called me about a year ago. He had heard my talk lots of times. And I was really struggling with some stuff. And you could hear it. I was just depressed and worried about some things. And he says, Dad, says, I feel funny telling you this, but you know your confession talk. <laughs> he said, well, last week, he said, I don't know how it happened. Not last week, it was about a month prior. He said, I don't know how I came about, but I started going to confession weekly. And it has changed my life. It's changed my whole life. Most of my son say this, I'm like, oh. He also talked to my 15-year-old daughter, and she was so touched by that, that she makes me get up every morning to go to adoration and mass, and she has scheduled weekly confession with the pastor, and it has changed her life. Why? What's the Holy Father saying? Confession is a profound encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. It's a profound encounter with God the Father. It's a profound encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's no accident that when the priest absolves you, he does it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Wherever Jesus Christ is, the Father is and the Spirit is because the Trinity is undividable. You cannot divide the Trinity. When you and I go to confession, we are going before the tribunal of mercy. And there's three judges, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're on your side. It's not a tribunal of condemnation, but of mercy and healing. I want to strongly recommend that you somehow make it happen. That you go to confession regularly, a weekly if you can, at least monthly. Well, but well, what if I don't have any big sins? <laughs> okay. Let me share with you what made happen to me. When I started doing this, Fifty times on that. Okay, well, gosh, it was just last week. I slept most of the week, so I haven't sinned much. <laughs> it's about the only time I can manage that. What I found is my whole attitude changed. I'm starting to notice things that I never noticed before about me. Things I don't like a lot. All the little ways that I'm refusing God's grace. All the little ways I'm not responding to people the way I ought to be. If I just focus on the big behaviors, and I'm taking those behaviors when I need to into the confessional, getting them forgiven, I don't have enough time and energy to see the things that are really killing me. Spiritually. All the little stuff. When we sin, the catechism says, we wound ourselves and others. We disfigure ourselves so that we are no longer in the likeness of God. Sin disfigures us. Mortal sin disfigures us badly. That's like driving the car into a tree. But every sin puts a dent in the car or flattens a tire. Sin kills charity in your heart. It's another teaching of the catechism. It kills. Mortal sin kills the charity in your heart, the, your ability to love. Confession restores that. But even venial sin the Catechism says, wounds charity in the heart. Every venial sin I commit, every little tiny way that I fail to be who I should be, wounds my heart so I am less able to love as God loves, which is the new commandment again. If I start going to confession weekly, every other week, but regularly, in some way, regularly, and I invite the Holy Spirit, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to dare to do this. And I literally have prayed that way sometimes. I'm afraid to do it. Because the Holy Spirit answers this prayer, and it gets scary sometimes. Holy Spirit, come and shed your living light on my sin. Help me to see the stuff I'm not seeing. And give me the grace to, to repent of it, to confess it, to resolve to be free of it, to take it to you, Jesus, in the confessional, and let you heal me of that. When you go to confession, please... Take your grocery list, but more importantly, figure out in front of the Blessed Sacrament if you can. But at least in prayer, take the time to pray and ask God, okay, where are the areas in my life where I need your mercy most? Where are the areas in my life where I need healing? And I'll give you some hints on how to do this. Where are the areas where I need mercy? Where are the areas where I need healing? One of the, of the hints Actually, I can, I can quote this from, I think, from, the book is called Hear My Confession by Father Joseph Orsini. He says, wherever I lose my peace, that is where I find sin. Wherever I lose my peace, that is where I find sin. In Galatians 5, Paul describes the criteria for the normal Christian life, the fruits of the Spirit, love, 
peace, faithfulness, kindness, joy, patience, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. Where these are missing, there is sin. And the Holy Spirit is calling me to submit that area of unrest to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Where are the areas in your life where you're not at peace? What are you not at peace about? There's some unrest in you. Look at that area. Look at that unrest when you find it. You're chafing about something. You're anxious about something. Examine that with the light of the Holy Spirit to help you and you will find sin. Because anxiety never comes from God. Ever. Anxiety never comes from God. We ask at every Mass to be freed from anxiety. Deliver us, Lord, from every anxiety. Because we're not supposed to have any of that. If I have anxiety, it means I don't really trust God. I either don't trust that he's loving enough to even love me, or that he's powerful enough to take care of the problems I have. He either doesn't want to, or he can't do it. That's what I'm saying about anxious, about worried. And I do that every day, multi times a day. I get anxious about something or other. I need to examine that. And if I really find some unrest, I want to find sin. The other hint is woundedness. When you think confession, think healing. That's what God wants for you. He wants to heal you. And he does not just want to heal your sins. I, I love the diary of St. Faustinus. I'm going to quote from that again. At one point, when he's talking to her, Jesus is talking to her about confession. He says, be sincere. Tell me everything. So far, we get that, right? Imagine Jesus is saying this to you. In the confessional, when you come to the confessional, be sincere, tell me everything, reveal to me all the sins of your life, and I will forgive them. Reveal to me all the sins of your life, and I will forgive them. Wouldn't you love to hear Jesus say that person to you? Well, I lied. That's not what he said. He did not say to her, reveal to me all the sins of your life, and I will forgive them. What he said to her was, Reveal to me all the wounds of your heart, and I will heal them. That's the difference between the old way that I went to confession and the new way that I go to confession. When I go into the confessional now, I'm not whipped like the prodigal son, trying to wring out a little forgiveness from God, hoping he'll forgive me and treat me okay. I'm going expecting miracles of grace. Okay, God, here I am. Here's my misery. Here's all this woundedness. I'm hurting. I'm really messed up this time. Or I don't know where I am. I'm just feeling a little dusty. I'm feeling a little grimy. I'm not even sure where my sin is, Lord. But I'm feeling a little dusty. I need your grace. Help me out. Go expecting miracles. You'll get miracles. Miracles of grace. Miracles of healing. Full healing. It's, it's interesting that even in the, in the section in the catechism where it talks about the priest's job in the confessional. Is any priest present? Listen up. <laughs> the priest is the sign and the instrument of God's merciful love for the sinner. The minister of this sacrament should unite himself to the intention and charity of Christ. And he goes on with his qualifications. He should have a proven knowledge of Christian behavior, etc., etc. Then it goes, and he must, must, lead the penitent with patience toward healing and full maturity. Wow. I always thought the priest was just there to wave his hands over me and forget my sins because God would do some magic then. He was a priest. No. No. He must lead the penitent with patience toward, not just forgiveness. He doesn't have to lead the penitent toward forgiveness because the power has been given to him where in the person of Christ, he's going to forgive you. Your sins. 
He has to lead you toward healing and full maturity. Maturity as what? A son of God. He must pray and do penance for his penitent and trusting him to the Lord's mercy. Catechism of the Catholic Church says the priest in the confessional is supposed to pray and do penance for you. Because that's what Christ, Christ died for you. 2,000 years ago, this is God hanging on the cross. He's not subject to time and space. He looked out from the cross 2,000 years ago and saw you and you and you and you and you. Saw all your sin, all the good stuff and all the bad stuff, all the dirt. Not only what you've already done, but what you're going to do next week. He saw all that then and loved you. Looked across 2,000 years of time and space, saw all that, and loved anyway. And willed to reach across and grab all your sin and put it in his own body. St. Paul says he did that so much so that it's as if God made him to be sin for our sakes. That's how much sin he took into his pure, innocent, perfect body. All the sin of all the world. And when he died, so did your sin. He ransomed you. He paid the price. He has already suffered and died for every sin you have committed or will commit and won salvation for you. So what are you doing in the confessional then? You're logging on to the computer because you had a mail. Christ from the cross emailed you all the healing and forgiveness that you will ever need. When you go into the confessional, you're accessing that. You're logging on. You have to do something. Another image if you want is the... the, the you got to go to the bank. There's money that's been deposited. But you got to go in and you have to sign for it. Then you can get it. Someone puts a million dollars in the bank for you and you don't go in to get it. You stay poor. It's there. You're poor. In the confessional is all the healing, all the help, all the strength, all the grace to forgive you everything, to heal you, to make you holy as God is holy. What you need to do is go in regularly and get another dose. <laughs> get another dose. Regular doses of what God... Because I, we can't take it all in at once. There's so much there, we can't take it all in at once. So I go in and I take as much as I can carry, as much as I can handle. And then I go in for more next week. And I go in for more. And every time I do, because each time is a personal encounter with Christ, I become a little bit more like Him. I wish I were talking to you about the Eucharist because it's the same concept. Every time you receive communion, you become a little more like God because you've taken him into yourself. The sacraments are very similar. We are encountering the Trinity in the confessional. We're encountering the Trinity when we receive communion. And we're actually taking the life of God himself into us. And what's happening is we're becoming like him as a result of that. Bit by bit. I'm convinced that if we could see, if we had ten different people lined up and they had received communion at different, uh, different amounts of time, person one had received a few times, the person two had received more, the, the tenth had received once a day for 30 years. Yeah. And the same with confession, regular confession. You'd see different levels of glow. I'm, I'm absolutely sure. We glow differently. Because the more I encounter Christ in an open way, the more he can fill me. I've come the day my head life, and life to the full. God wants to father us into becoming 
like him. And he does that essentially through the sacraments, which is why Christ was so strong in John 6. John's Gospel, chapter 6. I'm living bread. You don't eat my body and drink my blood. You don't have life in you. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life in him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Life, the life of God in us, not just a momentary thing. It's a process where we become more and more like God. I want to suggest something to all of you for the confessional. The greatest impediment to God's love is unforgiveness. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, in the section on the Our Father, makes it very clear when it gets to that that terrible phrase, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. It says now, and this is daunting, this outpouring of mercy, the outpouring of God's love, cannot penetrate our hearts. Cannot. There's something God can't do. Even God's love cannot penetrate our hearts as long as we have not forgiven those who have trespassed against us. Our hearts are closed and their hardness makes them impervious to the Father's love. I try every time I'm going to go to the confessional to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and say, okay, Lord, where is there that negative stuff in my heart? Where is there someone or something or some event or you yourself, Lord, where I haven't forgiven? Where is the grudge? I mean, somebody cuts you off in the roadway and you go, there, you got this, you got unforgiveness in you. It's not just people. It's anytime I chafe about what's happening and I get a little resentful, a little bitter, a little rebellious, a little angry, and it sits in me, it becomes a chain that builds up over time. So I need to be unchained, take it into the confessional, ask God, where is there unforgiveness? Where do I have to release this today? Father, I turn to you right now in the name of Jesus. I praise you and thank you for this incredible gift that you've given us. And I ask you for grace right now for myself and for every man here to really change our lives, Lord, to really let you build us up, heal us, ransom us, forgive us, and bring us into your holiness. Amen. We hope you were inspired by this podcast, and we encourage you to share it on social media and warmly invite you to distribute our free Catholic scapulars, medals, books, and booklets to your family, friends, parish, and social groups. Visit us online at catholiccity.com for more information. The real work of the Mary Foundation is accomplished by people just like you. There are three ways to help. First, please pray for everyone who hears, reads, or wears our materials. Second, share them with everyone you know, family, friends, fellow parishioners, and the people you work with. Only you can reach them. Finally, Please help us financially. It seems impossible, but we don't do traditional fundraising here at the Mary Foundation. We rely on your generosity and God's providence. By the way, if you, your parish, or your Catholic group would like to distribute our materials by the dozens, hundreds, or even thousands, all we ask for is help covering our materials costs. So please visit us online for suggested donations. For our Canadian friends and those outside the United States, only online requests are accepted, so please refer to the special shipping rates listed on our website. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to working with you. May God bless you always. And now, here's a short preview of our Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet, the most popular rosary according in the history of the world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For an increase in the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without permission is prohibited.